Hello, and here we are on November 10th, 2016, at the Science Fiction Club, and we're here today to talk about A Night Without Stars by Peter F. Hamilton, the second half of the Chronicle of the Fallers. And we'll go around and see what people thought about it. I guess I seem to be when it always starts off. Um, I found it to be very, very good, very interesting. The only, the only complaint that I have is I think he spent too much time in the, uh, you know, in, in in doing the the chasing of the characters and a lot, a lot of time. Uh, how should I explain it? Uh, had to do with the um, with the security and and and, and all that. And, and, well, there was a lot of science fiction involved and extraterrestrial stuff too. But I, I would have liked to have had a little bit less of, of that part of it. But on the other hand, the rest in general, I thought it was very good. As I commented to Mary and Sherry in the beginning, I, I wonder why he chose such difficult names for the characters. I find it very d- difficult to remember those. The only good thing is that he has that those drama type personae or whatever however you call it in the beginning where he lists them all which helps and I have a few other th- comments later on I'll make about referring to some of the characters in the previous books which I found very interesting well as I said you'll be surprised Evan I don't think you were here at this point but I didn't finish it. I've got like little more than three hours left. And for me not to finish a Peter Hamilton book is just crazy. I will, though. I'm going to. I plan to. I don't care if anybody says anything about the end. You can spoil it. That's fine. Um, What I have read, I like. Of course, it's Peter Hamilton, so I like him. Um, He's definitely, it's his style. It's Peter Hamilton. It's, um, I, I find it interesting. I it's interesting how, and someone will probably bring this up in the end too. In the beginning, everybody's dead, and or you know Nigel and and Paula are talking, and everybody's dead, and then you kind of go back. Well, I assumed it went back into the past to talk about what happened to get up to this point, and um. Here comes Paola as a child. I never would have guessed that. That's what I like about Peter Hamilton. He has some great twists and turns that you just don't expect. And I'm actually liking the, uh, the well, they're not very pretty, but the fallers in the sea bears, yikes. Oh, and what I was going to say about Audible, Marshall, um, I, I was going to get the Audible version but the narrator is he's, he's he's a british narrator which is fine but to me i don't know that it will fit the book now maybe you you can tell me if you thought it would but i didn't get it because i thought well i don't know if it would fit well i liked the book a lot and there were some great moments in it, and there were some great twists. One of my favorite twists was where Paula figures out that the that the uh, that gas giant planet is actually confining the rail war fleet that went into the void. That was just I said, "All oh, right, you know, they're going to get them out." But it 
It's not the Void trilogy. Um, and I read some reviews on Amazon. I read a fair number, actually. And it is a different kind of book. I missed the where I missed uh, the scope and the grandeur and the scale of the Void trilogy. And I liked the Void in some ways, even though it was devouring the galaxy. But the the, the way he did the psychic powers in the Void, and then of course the way you know um, in the Void trilogy how the dreams come out and how. And the guy and the, some of the technology that was in the Commonwealth that you don't see on on Bienvenido, you know the Gaia field and you know the advanced stuff that you know you see some of it because Paula and the Anna droids and stuff have it. But I liked it a lot. It's a good book, but it's uh, not up to the Void trilogy for me. I will say. Well, I have a problem with some bookshare books they have to be really exciting or I fall asleep and that's what happened with this one but it the technology where the I think her name is Laura Brandt um, drops H-bombs or A-bombs on the uh invaders through a wormhole and then goes through the wormhole to set off a um, essentially suck the atmosphere from the gas from a gas giant to the home planet of the invaders sounded interestingly enough that I was willing to use my audible credit this month but it was too late to finish reading the book so I'm barely into it I wish when they'd come up with these long books with, you know, multiple series or multiple books that they'd put a synopsis of what's gone before um, so you're not totally lost. Um, yeah, this is, I agree with pretty much everything everybody else has said. I really like the book. I'm a big Hamilton fan, so of course I liked it. I agree with Evan. It's, I don't like it as well as I like the Boyd trilogy. And I agree with Martin that I could have done without some of the chase scenes. But I didn't mind the length. I, I, I like long books. I just get totally engrossed in them and like them tremendously. I would have preferred not to read it on Bookshare, but, you know, it is what it is. It was certainly worth reading. Um, yeah, I like the stuff that you mentioned about Laura Brandt. I it was great to see Paula Mayo again. I, I was so surprised when she turned out to be the little girl. I thought that was just awesome. And we get to meet some of the other older characters at the end, too, which was just great. I like how Joey came back. I thought that guy was going to be gone, gone, gone. But I love how he came back in the space machine. That was so cool. I couldn't remember who Joey was, so I had a problem with that. I'm like uh, Marshall, I think it was Marshall that said it would have been nice to have kind of a synopsis, because I couldn't remember who he was. Yeah, um, yeah, he was the guy in the first book that was almost absorbed, and then uh, they put him his memory into the sh- or Nigel or Laura. Um, no, Hamilton never does synopses of what has gone before. You just have to... You know, you have to reread it or get it from somewhere. Um, 
online. He never never does that. Um, I agree. I think a little bit of the chase scene was... Well, here's a part of the problem. I had read the Bookshare book, and there's no page numbers in it, and there weren't even any chapters in it, even though there are chapters listed in the table of contents, chapter one, chapter two. Some of the books didn't have chapters, but most of them did, but they weren't even marked in the Bookshare book. So I resorted to using Google, and I put the title of the book in, and then I'd put like half a dozen words you know, in quotes from the beginning of some paragraph or other, and most of the time, it would give me the page number. There were some times when it wouldn't, but if I just read down a few paragraphs or, you know, have uh, uh, several paragraphs and try again, it would give me the page number that I was on. So I kind of I was able to at least get some ideas to how far I was going, you know, how, you know, where I was. Um, otherwise, it would have just, it's like walking through an, a, a featureless landscape and not having any idea how far you've gone and how far you have to go. Um, but I agree, I think some of the chase scenes were a little over, maybe a little too long, but um, but I like Hamilton, he generally keeps a plot going, he keeps the, you know, and just at the time when I was thinking this was going on long enough, he comes up with something to, to liven it, and I like the planters also, we finally find out who they are, you know, they. I don't think he tells us in the Void trilogy, um, which I'm going to try to reread at some point, I don't know when I'll have the time, but I'd really like to reread it. That was magical. That was probably his best stuff so far. But um, uh, but overall, I, I, I really liked the book, and the ending um, was really good. Um, you know, the rail coming out, and you know, taking everybody back to the Commonwealth, and you know, it was it was really good. I did have to roll my eyes when I think it was Polly introduced Melanie to Florian. I- I'm like, oh, good grief. You know, I, I thought that was a little over the top. I guess they wanted to include her somewhere in the book. I really liked Florian a lot. I thought, of course, he was our hero and a really good character and everything. Um, the more complex character I thought was uh, Shayan or Jayan, I forget how it's pronounced, the security guy who seemed to have a few good qualities. He wasn't all bad like the Jimena character was. She was she was really despicable. I would have liked to have not seen her killed so easily. I would have liked to have seen her sent to the mines or something like that. And speaking of that, I couldn't figure out how Faustina escaped from the mines. At the end of the last book, she had been sent there, and pretty much anybody sent there, I thought, died. And maybe I missed something, but I didn't understand how she got out. I I am I am totally I'm told with you on that one, Sherry. I was wondering too, how in the world did she get out of the mines and become who she was? It's like, whoa, how'd that happen? And um Oh, I was gonna say something and I forgot what it was. Uh I I guess that there's not going to be another book to this because it right now Melanie is introduced to Florian. I wanted him to be. Oh no 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 no! I got the wrong one. Ryan and Nola are together. That's right. Um, let's see. It's Ryan Nola, and then it's um, that security guide and that stupid witch of a girl. Um, I'm glad to know, this is going to sound horrible, but I'm glad to know she's not alive anymore. But yes, she should have suffered because I do not like her. Goodness, I love the way uh, 
Castellito, his mother treated her. She was great. She was absolutely great. Um, I want to know, and maybe it says this at the end, but how in the world did the fallers get, who did they exhume to get the elite uh, advancers or whatever, that technology? Uh, at the at near at the end of the book, uh, Cassandra, she Bethany, who was Faustina, well Faustina, who was Bethany, tells Stonehall at the right when the Fallers are invading the city, just before the Rael come out, that Cassandra got her out of the mines. Okay, thanks, Evan. That's what's great about this book club. If you miss something, somebody else is bound to know. Now, what did you think? I'm trying to remember the name. They got the angel, the guardian angel. Was that Cassandra? What do you think of her a little bit flirtatiousness? She was, um, you know, carrying on with, um, was it Florian? But apparently her real love, if I'm correct on that, was Nigel at the very end when they, when they, when they came back and found him on, on that planet where he was living, if I remember correctly. Yeah, this is something Hamilton has a thing about. Um, this woman is 250 years old. She's not only carrying on with Florian, but she's carrying on with the ship's captain, if you remember. And then, of course, she gets back to the Commonwealth, and she's, I guess she's going to stay with Nigel after that. But, I mean, it's like, you know, he likes these insatiable women. I mean, I think a lot of authors, I mean, the, more, the older I get, the more it seems to happen. I mean, Frederick Pohl was the same way, if you remember Jem, we just saw. Um, but, um, yeah, no, she was carrying on with Florian and the captain at the same time. And, um, yeah, she was the warrior angel. Yeah, I thought that was a bit eye-rolling, too, that insatiable women is a good way to describe it. He always has some of those in his books. She was also pretty cavalier about Florian's feelings. He was clearly smitten, and she didn't seem to notice. Well, see, and, and, and see, Hamilton did something good there. Paula told her about that, and she just ignored her. I mean, Paula had the sense, and Paula's not... Generally, if, if you read, remember the Commonwealth books and, and the Void trilogy, she's not as empathic as some people, but even she was aware enough to see that that was not going to, that wasn't cool. Yeah, that was really nice of Paula to do that. I like that, that too, because I was thinking the same thing, that in the Void books, she was described with her entire upbringing and everything as not being very empathetic, but totally logical. Yeah, I yeah, I agree too. She you show uh, you saw her compassion every once I think you could count on your hand how many times she was compassionate with somebody, but I it really surprised me that she even said anything to. And I think one of the reasons she did that maybe is because she was a child and he was basically her caregiver if you will. I wouldn't say he was her father, sure, but it was how I love the part where she said, "Oh, by the way, my name's not Essie. I'm Paula." <laughs> that was just physical. He's like, oh, "What's your name?" It was so funny. Well, Hamilton does a really well with his secondary characters too. I liked. I think it was Nabu or whoever Florian and and Paula stayed with when they were running away. Those were nice characters, and uh, some of the. Um, some of the PSR guys were not so nice characters, but they were well-developed for secondary characters. And it was a nice touch that 
although Joey was able to get into that guy's body, I forget his name, he really couldn't handle it because of the differences in personality. And I thought that was a really nice thing that Hamilton did as an author. Instead of just making it a smooth transition like most authors would do, he did have him struggle with his personality and ultimately fail. He's, Hamilton is not afraid to give good characters some flaws. Now, question. Um, Cassandra, the, the angel or whatever, wasn't she an android? No, no. Actually, who she was, if you remember in the very um, first book, I think it was, she was going to be married, or she actually, I think, got married to this, oh no, she was going to be married to this guy because her mother was going to get money or something like that, and she wouldn't do it, and so they... They drugged her or something, and all of a sudden she wakes up, and Nigel's like, just say yes, just say yes, just say yes. And she's looking at her like, who the heck are you, you know? And uh, she ends up saying yes, and voila, he teaches her about the Commonwealth and goes on, and she, and then there's this, oh gosh, I'm going through all the books, but <laughs> they do the revolution and stuff with the mods and the... Um, Mod dwarfs and the uh, followers and stuff like that. Does that kind of re, re help your memory, Martin? Not really. <laughs> there were so many books and so many uh, characters, and uh, I don't know what made me think she was an android, but I know she was always with the android. But another question I had, I have also Paula in previous books. I think in the Great North Road, she was a detective. And here they had her um, described as a diplomat. I wonder if that was any mistake on the part of the author or, or not. No, she wasn't in Great North Road. She was in uh, Pandora Star and Judas Unchained, and she was a detective there. And she was also a detective in the Void Trilogy uh, when she went after a psycho woman, uh, the cat or whatever her name was. Um, but, uh, yeah... Um, but she was good friends with Nigel, and she has evolved since then. You have to remember, this is, well, hundreds of years later, I guess. Um, though it's still in the Void Trilogy time. Um, I need to look at that timeline again, because, you know, things happen after this in the Void Trilogy. And But, um, no, she was a detective in the... Commonwealth Saga and in the Void Trilogy and I guess uh, she's doing this for Nigel and she is still a detective in a way but yeah, not not in the same way because even um, um, who was it that even mentioned she was, was from the Serious Crimes Division and she should have said yes uh, it might have been Cassandra but I can't remember now Well a detective would make a good diplomat and certainly she would um, I liked the um, way he wrote the Fallers, too. I thought it was really, like Leela said, clever that the Fallers were able to turn polar bears into Fallers or Fallers into polar bears. That was a nice twist. What did you guys think of that, I guess, mutant Faller that they ended up trusting at the end? I mean, in the beginning, he tries to kill Paula when she's a child. I would not have thought that he could be trusted, but apparently his own um, desire to be uh, let go made him keep his word. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a crime boss, and, 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 you know, I guess disguised as a crime boss, but apparently, I, mean, 
he was apparently a renegade from his from his um, species. Where I don't remember. Perhaps one of you could, or both, if some of you remember why he was expelled or wasn't, you know, wasn't recognized by the, the rest of the fallers, and he decided to side with the humans. He, he, he was a mis- a mistake. I think he was one of the first breeder fallers or something like that, and he was a mistake. And I thought he died when they were getting out. Ooh, this is interesting. Uh, when they were getting out of that cave, didn't he die? No, he escaped ahead of Florian and Paula, and uh, then uh, he turns up in another place, and they find, you know, doing uh, delivering munitions to the fallers. And then once he's caught, he decides to bargain for his life, because his position is pretty tenuous. He's been rejected by both the fallers and the humans, and but he's smart, and... In the end, I kind of rather liked him because he, you know, he and Joey were in the cellmates, and they, you know, when they were talking together, and and uh, you know, and he, and I think he, and of course, in the in the, uh, who knows, maybe the next book will be about him in the Commonwealth, and Paulo will have to go after him or something. At the very end, when they when they wake up in, in the Commonwealth, and, and Joey's there, and, and and he has a, someone right next to him, isn't that the the the, the faller or you know the guy who, who's regenerated into a regular human body? Yeah, they put him in a human body and he Joey wakes up and Rock's Wolf was right next to him and he's and uh he he said something about don't you recognize your your fellow jailbird or whatever and yeah, no, they put him in a human body. I'd be afraid the guy'd be afraid I would eat afraid the guy would me. Yeah, I agree. I think that character might very well come back later. Maybe he and Joey can have some kind of adventure. But he did definitely try to kill Paula earlier, and that seemed kind of unforgivable to me. Now, a question I had, which I put on the list, and I remember, I don't remember which book it was, where um, Sheldon was friends with, with, what was his name, Ozzy, or something, Ozzy, or Ozzy. And I remember Ozzy went, went on some sort of jaunt to a different planet with these fairy-like creatures or something. Does anyone remember what the name of that book was? That was the Pandora Star, Judas Unchained, when Ozzy goes on the Sylphan Paths to find out how to beat the Primes. And, uh, yeah, Nigel Sheldon and he were the ones that created the first wormhole, and they show up on Mars when the astronauts and their spacecraft are taking months to get there, and they're already there, and they're you know, laughing and stuff, and uh, it was it was that was the very beginning of Pandora Star, and then uh, Ozzy goes on the Sylphan Pass. That was one of my favorite parts of those books. Me, me too, too. I abu, I absolutely loved that part where he because there was different, um, different, different. Um, what is it? Different. Um, Oh, different things that were, you know, different things that were happening in in these books in the Pandora Star and Judas one, but that was my favorite part too. I loved where Ozzy went on the on the fairy path and Sylphin and oh, it was so cool. I that's that's those are something that I'll not forget. The other interesting thing is that I think in your, in this book they mentioned the Prime for a bit. They they appeared again and then. It, I think they completely destroyed him or something, if I remember correctly. That's what Marshall was talking about. They were on 
the uh, world named Ursul, and they were sending, they sent some ships to Bienvenido, and they were trying to shoot them down, and so uh, the Anadroids and Laura and Cassandra uh, destroy the ships that are there and send uh, the wormhole to drain some of the atmosphere from the gas giant onto the uh, Ursul world, which had already been nuked, you know, pretty much to death. Um, but there were still some Prime there. When Laura got there, they started attacking right away, as the Prime will. But she sent the atmosphere over from, some of the atmosphere over from the gas giant um, to the uh, world that the Primes were on, and it just burned up the entire atmosphere and just made it uninhabitable for them. And that was the end of them. I remember the yeah I remember the last book we read. Those things were nasty creatures. Oh yeah. I think throughout this whole book, not and all the books we've read with this, I think the scariest creatures are those fallers because I'll never forget. You know how you you have something that just gets to you. I'll never forget when they he picked up Laura's hand and he starts eating her fingers. And and then they keep going through this time loop, and I'm like, oh no, no! And now in this book, you see Joey. Uh, basically, he he got the crap beat out of him by this this tree that he was stuck to, and all of a sudden, the Liberty Bomb basically sets him free 250 years later. That's why um, things happen so late. But wow, that's this author. You know, it's he writes long books, but they're so thought provoking. Now another thing I didn't understand completely the the what are they called the Royale or whatever are these you know super aliens and their ships and everything how was it that they, that plant that they were locked in that planet with all their technology how was it they could not escape themselves with all their abilities and after once they did they were able to you know to completely sort of put their 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 way of doing things you know they didn't wipe out the fallers they let them stay I think on on being the you know if I remember correctly. But I didn't fully understand why they could escape that planet. Well, remember, the void suppresses a lot of higher technology. That's why the uh, ships crashed on it in the first place. That's why the Rael ship crashed on Quarentia in the void. That's where Eddard and them started out. You know, that's you know, you see those walls, and you sudden after a while you recognize it. It looks kind of like ship walls. Um, so the ships crashed, and once they crashed. You know, or or uh, became inoperable. The void was able to imprison them in that planet. Once they got out of the void, though, they were back up to their full advanced technology again. But when 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 um, Cassandra and the rest freed them from that planet, hadn't the void already disappeared or not? Remember, the void threw them out. Remember, the void threw out all the planets of the races that would not get along with it, or would not submit to it, or. Uh, that's why they threw out the pro. That's what that solar system was filled with. Those, those uh, units of that race. I can't remember the name of them. Darn it! Um, that they found on the one planet that was nuked, another planet that was nuked to death, and the the Votany, the the sea going water world people that were just so stubborn they wouldn't submit to the void, and the Rael. They threw them all. And they expelled them all. So once they were outside of the void. They were their technology was able to work normally again, 
But the void hadn't disappeared by that time, I don't think. But even if it hadn't, it wouldn't matter because they were outside of it. They were millions of light years away from the void. But I still don't understand it. If, if, when they were in prison on the planet, if they had all their technology, unless the void, unless at that time the void was still limiting them, wouldn't they? Wouldn't you think that they would have been able to break out themselves and not have to wait to, you know, be sprung from a prison? You might say. Well, no, because they were in zero time. Remember, they said that at the end. They were in stasis. They. The void locked them in there, but no time at all had passed. And I think it was Paula or, or one of the uh, anadroids who remarked that it was probably good because if they had had time, they might have, they probably would have been able to break out. But the void didn't give them any time. Does anyone have any idea whether this book will eventually get onto Bard? Nope, I don't think it will because they haven't even done the first one yet, and that was over a year ago. So I don't think they're going to do this series. It's surprising. They did the Void Trilogy, they did the Commonwealth Saga, and they did Great North Road, and they did Fallen Dragon, which isn't on Bard yet, but it's on cassette. I assume it's going to come to Bard. Um, but they haven't done this one, and I don't think they're going to if they haven't done it by now. Well, we can write and ask ask for it. I mean, if a couple people ask for it, they put it on a list, I think, and eventually get to it. I was trying to find out where on the Bard pages is there a link where you could actually... I know. I thought there was a link that would show you some of the books that they're planning on putting on, on uh, uh, Bar, but I couldn't find it. You know, and I still forgot how Mary's able to find all those science fiction books <laughs> every day. Um, if you, I know, if you go to the old NLS website and look up a book there, it'll say if it's in progress or not. That's loc.gov/gov/nls, Martin, and that's how you can look to see if a book's in progress. And the way that I find the books every day is that I look at the most recently added books, and within that, on Bard, there is um, up-to-the-minute editions. And I go through those one book at a time, and the ones that say science fiction are the ones that I add to our list every day. How do you? I always wondered how you make sure you don't miss anything. Because I mean, in the morning there could be twenty books there, and then at four o'clock there could be fifty, and then when I look in the morning they've added another twenty or thirty overnight. And sometimes they add a hundred and fifty. In in after I wake up in the morning and there's a hundred and fifty or more up there. Well, what you do is you look at the previous day also because they can add stuff after. I, any of us looked at the previous day because sometimes um, they add stuff before midnight Eastern and then once it's midnight Eastern they start moving the previous day I mean they start moving the new editions for today to the previous day and then they add the new editions after midnight for the next day starting from after midnight to midnight of the next day and that's how things kind of get moved around so I tend to wake up really, really early in the morning, like about 1 in the morning Pacific time. So I come in here and poke around and look on Bard and then go back to sleep for about three hours. <laughs> That's kind of how I do it. But if you want to find out about all the books that are in process, if you go to loc.gov slash nls and go to the search the catalog link, and in the key word, you put in process in all in one word, I-N-P-R-O-C-E-S-S. 
and it will it will crank out all the books that are still in process. Um, just leave the other fields blank, and it, they will it will come up with like a thousand books or something. I I've done it before, but I never looked through all of them, um, and they'll be in alphabetical order or something like that. But there'll be something like a thousand or more results that will come up if you want to see what's in process. That's the way to do it. And some of those books have been in process for 10 years. <laughs> they just haven't gotten them uh, worked on yet, or they can't find the whole book that's in decent enough shape for them to, to copy them. So that's one of the big complaints a lot of people have is a lot of the serials and a series that started way back when, they're not finished yet because NLS can't find decent enough copies. Is there any mailing list that reports BART status? Because I went nuts over the weekend trying to figure out why I couldn't connect to BARD. Uh, it was only uh, like Sunday morning that I finally got enough brain cells working to figure out that the BARD site was having connectivity issues. It seems like NLS used to send out an email to their email list telling you that there were problems. I thought maybe because it was on a Sunday there was no one there that that did the emails, and so they didn't notify us or anything. And then on sometime on Monday, it did come back up. Yeah, it came back up, I guess, when was it? Monday morning, I think it was, at least Pacific time, probably in the afternoon, Eastern time, it came back up. But, yeah, usually there's a, a barred list that NLS runs. It's just a news list. And usually somebody does send out a message to that list, and you're right. It's uh, probably because it was Sunday that it went down. That's why there's nobody there. Here's the here's the weird thing. Weird thing. You're right. Usually on that bar, because I'm on there, um, they'll say, "Oh, Bart is down," or you know, they'll say something. This time, I didn't even know it was down until I got the email that Mary said it was up, and I'm like, "Oh wow, what happened?" Because usually, like you said. They're very, very informative about that, uh, whether it be maintenance or whatever. So I think this one was totally unplanned and, un, you know, that they, they totally didn't realize. Well, it was weird because my typical pattern is to, if I'm up at after 10 o'clock mountain, is to go through the bard and see what books are today, you know, what, what's been added today, but the network was doing something weird in that it wasn't far enough down for my browser to say, oh, it's not working, but it wasn't far enough up to complete a web search, so it just sort of sat there and stared at me stupidly, and I went into stupid mode and didn't realize what was going on. So I was having all kinds of fun Saturday and Sunday, and by then I'd figured out what was going on. Well, you may not want to subscribe to Bard Talk because the traffic's pretty high, but there are people up there who seem to know when Bard is down within five or ten minutes, I would swear. Uh, Marshall, you got farther than I did because I think it was around noon your time Sunday, then I tried to log into BARD, and I couldn't even log in. <laughs> it just sat there. So you got farther with it than I did, but then I guess you might have tried earlier than I did. 
But yeah, Bard Talk, I was on it for about three days and decided it's way too much. <laughs> so I left. <laughs> yeah, that's what I remembered. What would be really nice is if there'd be a just a list and it don't the only thing it would do is report this you know, report a change in status of Bard and maybe planned updates or or planned work. Um because this was really weird. I've seen, I've seen this network kind of behavior before, where the thing is up just enough to slit, send packets, but it sends it so slowly that your browser can't load the page, but it's so fast that it doesn't time out. And um, it just hit me. It, hit me at the wrong time well well I usually my library sends me um, maintenance updates and stuff like that it's really cool they have a um, I don't technical person or whatever and she usually sends an email to everybody that wants it and um, you know she'll say hey, there's maintenance on this day or whatever, and there's going to be an outage on this day. Or She'll even send something, you know, like Bard was down, but she didn't, I didn't get anything from anybody, and that was the weird thing. Yeah, that list is pretty high traffic. That's why I was surprised that I didn't see any. Now, maybe I wasn't looking, but I didn't see anything on Bard about it being down at all uh, this weekend, like I said, until Mary said, oh, it's back up. <laughs> is there... Um, on a different subject here, I'm changing subjects. Is there any interviews with Peter Hamilton that I would want to hear his voice? Has anybody heard his voice? Um, I don't know about that, but if you Google Peter Hamilton interview, you might be able to find some uh, somewhere, maybe a BBC podcast or something like that. Um, Marshall, there is exactly the kind of list you want. That's the NLS support list. And the only time they send anything out is to tell you about maintenance or outages. It's just that it wouldn't have helped this time because I think it's on a Sunday. And I wouldn't be surprised, Lila, if your library is just forwarding those on and they subscribe to that list, but I don't know. Um, if I, um, I'll try to remember to send the address to subscribe to that list to the sci-fi list, Marshall, and then you can subscribe to it. It's incredibly low traffic. Uh, you know, you only get things if there's a problem. So, do we have any other suggestions for books this month, or are we settled? I'm in, I'm in, in for the Avatar. Uh, just to chime in with the book number for that book, if we decide to read it, it's DB14773, and there's no book jacket info at all in there, because it was recorded so early in the in the 70s, but sound quality is actually pretty good, so I think it will be all right. It's about 15 hours and 46 minutes. I'm in for the Avatar. Yeah, I remember I liked that book, and I mentioned it on the uh, SF Club list, that I like the, the pilots. You can see, I mean, he describes what it's like to be a ship's pilot when your mind is integrated into the instruments and stuff. I think they're called hollow steets or something like that. I forget um, but uh, but I don't remember a lot of other details about it, so I'm looking forward to it. So I'm just going to say, before I turn off the recording, that our next 
meeting is on December 8th, 2016, the final meeting of the year, and we are going to be reading The Avatar by Paul Anderson. I think it's pronounced Paul, even though it's P-O-U-L. Not Paul, but Paul. I think that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, uh, but uh, it is on Bard, and it's on Bookshare. 